the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are about to listen to American Signpost, a thought that points us back to God. Some find American exceptionalism exceptionally offensive. If exceptionalism means that Americans are an exceptional member of the human race, the offense is understandable. Humans are a fallen race. Americans have plenty of reasons to repent. If, however, by exceptionalism, we mean that America's founding fathers took exception with the way the world was being governed, that's worth a second look. We gave citizens both a voice and a vote. We elected fellow citizens who would understand the day-to-day lives of those they represent. This America began in churches, especially in churches in and around Boston. Congregationalists derived the name from congregations that voted their pastors into office and called church meetings to decide church affairs. This required biblically literate members who knew the mind of God. If we lose touch with the Bible, why will we not also lose our cherished exceptionalism? I am Pastor William Boylan. This is an American Signpost. Visit PastorBoylan.com to learn more about how history instructs our country's way back to God. That's PastorBoylan.com. Welcome to Signpost. Signposts has been posing one question. How can America's past shed light on her future? Join Signpost host, Pastor William Boylan, and his son, author Andrew Boylan, as they visit America's foundation to understand better what's happening in the world today. Get ready to hear about America's beginnings, as you've probably never heard before. Now, let's join Signpost. Good afternoon. Welcome to Signposts. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew Boylan, with my dad, Pastor William Boylan. Welcome back, Dad. Oh, good to be back, and uh, looking forward to this afternoon. We have, I think, a subject that ought to interest uh, most anybody, particularly who's a Christian, and uh, I would really expand that out to think that anybody, when you really think about it, ought to be interested in this matter of prayer that we may get a chance to talk about. I know. I'm excited to talk about prayer again. I know we did a few weeks ago, and I know that we both felt called to do it through um, a conversation that we had here at the radio station about an initiative that they're doing here, and it's caused me to and I know and know you as well to think over these last weeks about about prayer, but about your prayer, how it had been so influential in your entire ministry and trying to and many of the things that we often talk about and think about on the show is how to use those years of ministry to impart them to the next generation. There's a few people who've had a 50 year ministry in the same church, and it's kind of um, been a remarkable thing to see. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk about this again. And um, I know that one of the things that we're looking to do with this is to really um, develop a book out of out of prayer. Um, it's something that we've talked about for a long time. Um, this particular subject we've talked about well before we ever had a meeting at the radio station about prayer. Uh, you know, there were different different topics over the years. And this had been a big, a big one that um, has really been a dynamic part of your ministry and the miraculous season which we've talked about that you had at Byfield Parish and I know you have a verse um, to to start this off with that would be really interesting to kind of go to the text before we begin 
Yeah, the verse I was thinking about, Andrew, is uh, one that was written by the Apostle Paul 20 centuries ago. Uh, it's it's found in his letter to the Romans. He's explaining, really, what's on the horizon for the world. He's talking about the fact that God doesn't plan to leave the world in the mess we've made of it as human beings by our sin. He plans to redeem everything, just like he redeems you and me uh, by his grace and uh, so the evangelistic task of the church is to herald abroad in any uh, forum we're allowed to speak in. This is a great one, radio. Uh, we're, to, we're to tell the story because God takes the story of what he accomplished in Jesus Christ and he changes lives by it. Mm. And uh, I'm, uh, not, uh, I'm not forgetful of the fact that uh, in... Uh, this whole process, the entire world we live in is going to be revamped. It's going to be transformed. Uh, and if anybody wants to read what's going to happen, go back to Romans chapter 8 and and carefully read through what the Apostle Paul had to say about the fact that the sufferings of this age are for a purpose, and they last for the age, but they don't last forever. They, they're going to glorify God in the last analysis. And uh, the creation is uh, watching what's happening to us. That's an interesting way for Paul to put it. Uh, uh, I don't think he means the rocks, the trees, the skies, and the seas. I mm. think he, he's probably thinking in his mind, oh, he doesn't explain it in the eighth chapter, but I think what he means when he says uh, that uh, every every one in creation is looking on, he's probably thinking about angels and other created beings we haven't yet to meet. Uh, uh, and they're, they're very interested, and the Bible makes this clear, that they're very interested in what's happening to the human race because uh, as far as I can tell, as far as uh, intelligent, uh, not maybe intelligent the word I'm really looking for, but, but certainly we are, we are a special breed. We have made in the image of God. Mm. Human beings are in the image of God. We have a very highly uh, high design in terms of who we are and a role to play that's extraordinary. We're, we're going to rule with Christ. Uh, we're going to judge angels. I don't know for sure what that means, so I'm not going to go on some tangent with it. But, but these are all suggestive uh, statements that, that mm -hmm. I like to think about. And, and the one that I'm picking up on uh, at the moment is that uh, that creation is point painted as being anxious, longing, it has a certain urgency in creation about it being put back together right. Mm. In other words, it's going to be redeemed from its bondage to decay. That's Paul's words. Now, now, when we talk about prayer, aren't we really talking about our role in this in a very extraordinary way? Mm. Uh, God has so ordered and arranged things that we're in a relationship of uh, well, father and son, yes, we're the, we're the children of God, and he is our father. And when we, we were taught to pray, uh, as believers, Jesus said, pray our father. Mm. You know, our father, white heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is to be honored and hallowed. And so that's pretty clear. But the Apostle Paul expands a little bit more on, on this uh, relationship we have to God uh, by being free to ask him to pray to him to be in a conversation with him. Mm. We're in a conversation. And uh, and Paul says in the 8th chapter, in effect, that we don't always know what we're asking for. We don't always know what to pray for. We're, we're not God. We're an image of God, but but 
we're also walking by faith and not by sight. Mm. And so when he gets into this whole matter of the creations waiting with eager longing for us to be redeemed so it can be redeemed. In other words, things aren't going to get all that much better until uh, those who are the image bearers of God are in a position to run it correctly, mm. to run the world correctly. Uh, God's, when, when we're all set, when he's done his work in us, now he'll turn his attention on the created order and he'll reorder creation so it's what he meant it to be in the first place before this fall, this dramatic fall from uh, disobedience, from fall from grace, we could say. So anyway, uh, all that to say that when you get to the 26th verse of that 8th chapter, uh, I think the, Paul, the, the Apostle Paul says something really, at one level illuminating and at another level really mysterious, uh, I think that's fair to say. He says, in the same way, yeah, in the same way, he's referring to what he's read before and you have to kind of read it, but, but he's saying that uh, we have hope, but hope is hope. We don't see it come to pass yet because it's still our hope. And he says, but, uh, but, then, but that doesn't mean we don't have uh, access to God. It, it doesn't mean we can't be really a servant of his. And in this case of prayer, it doesn't mean we can't pray for what's necessary without necessarily knowing what's necessary. That's mm. not silly. No, no, not at all. Yeah, we don't, we don't necessarily know what we need to pray for. And if we don't, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. So we're on good ground. We're, the Bible confirms us. If we don't know for sure what we to pray for, the Bible says, well, uh, don't worry. I've, I've made a provision for that. Mm -hmm. He says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Mm. Now, I, I hope everybody listening to us uh, I hope you have, if not an understanding of, uh, a desire for an understanding of who this Holy Spirit is. Mm. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not talked about as an it or a thing. It's talked about as a he. And it's not a sexual term. It's not he's a male. Uh, it, it's, but he's a person. The Holy Spirit is personal. Uh, we have in the Bible... A profound disclosure made to us that the reason God can say in godly terms, God is love, uh, if, if God were not more than one person, how could he be loved in the way he wants us to love? In other words, he doesn't want us to fall head over heels in love with ourselves. When he talks about love, he's talking about a relationship. Love is patient. Patient with what? Patient maybe with God, maybe with others. Love is kind. Kind in what way? To ourselves? Well, we are always kind to ourselves. We always have the best motive for ourselves, I'm talking about. We, we don't necessarily hurt ourselves. We want things to work well for ourselves. Now we talk about kindness to others, right? Mm. Love is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. Well, you have to be jealous of something. <laughs> uh, in, in other words, you get what I'm saying? It's, I do. There has to be some other person somewhere or something out there that I'm focusing on that I can love. Now, if God were one person, how would he have that kind of love? Mm. <laughs> right? Wouldn't he uh, be, be self-defeating? Uh, the only thing he could love is himself. He'd be, he'd be most narcissistic, 
being ever conceived. Mm-hmm. And that and and if you think about that, I hope if you're listening, you might think about that. No, the the Trinity is not just a baffling tech, uh, technical statement or theology. Mm-hmm. No, it's an it's an insight into the nature of God. The Father loves the Son. Mm. The Son loves the Father, and the Spirit proceeds from the love of the Father and the Son. Mm. In other words, there's something more dramatic, dynamic, uh, marvelous about the God of the Bible. Mm. It's not an idol, not a statue somewhere. It's he's it, a, a person, uh, but not just a person. He's three persons in one, and yet they're truly one. There's not not two gods. There's not three gods. There's one God and three persons. So. When Paul writes, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, uh, uh, he's talking about that Spirit, the Spirit that proceeds from the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father. And this Spirit is intimately involved with both the Father and the Son. Mm. So being intimately involved, he knows what's on the mind of God. He knows God's plans. He is God. But the way we're talking and the way the Bible talks about the Spirit, I guess we can, we have to use our language. So the, the Spirit really uh, uh, is a person that's in on all the secrets. Mm. He knows who God is. He knows he knows the Son. He knows the Son's uh, calling to come and to actually substitute his life for sinners so that the sinner might be saved by his grace. Uh, he knows the Father sent the Son. He knows that the Father is not the August. Some, even religions paint him to be. The Father loves the Son. Mm. And the Son and the Father loves the world he made. And on, and on we could go. But the Spirit, the Spirit uh, is now in the world. And he's not in the world in a general sense. He's not in some brick-and-mortar temple somewhere. He has made the lives of believers his temple. Mm. The Spirit lives in those who live in Christ. That's simply simplest way I know to state it. And this Spirit, now I'll go back to the text, Paul said, this Spirit himself, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So in other words, it, it, it isn't a college degree you have to have. It isn't a book you have to read. It is, there's something deeper than that. There's something, uh, maybe I could even say, more real than that. Uh, the Spirit uh, uh, can just almost move, and God interprets what the Spirit's asking. God, uh, I don't want to go too far in this because uh, that's, that's a pretty vague statement Paul makes. But he makes it, and mm. he makes it for a reason. He says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. We don't know what to ask. We don't know, you know, what what the future holds. There's a lot of things we don't know. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And then in the 27th verse, the verse that follows, uh, Paul just makes it a little more clear. He says, it's in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Mm. The Spirit helps us. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit who searches our hearts, he searches our hearts. He knows us inside and out, that way of saying it. The Spirit knows us inside and out. He, he knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. 
Mm. Now, now, let me tell you an account. Uh, this is not new to you if you've been listening to the station, but sometimes things are worth repeating. Uh, after all, uh, I've read the Bible beginning in 1962. And I, if you keep reading it and reading, reading it, some things get pretty repetitive. <laughs> it's pretty hard to read one book for uh, over 50 years and not uh, be reading the same thing after a while. But, uh, but there's, there's, there's even a rationale to that. But, but here, uh, I want to repeat something that I've told before. And if you weren't happen to listen to our broadcast before, it'll be new to you anyway. But, uh, but I had an experience at the very beginning of my Christian life, before I read any of the Bible, before I had any clear understanding of the God who had now revealed himself to me. Mm. Uh, my connection with him was more feelings, actually, than anything else. I felt peaceful. I was joyful. I was free. But it, it, it was a shower bath of sorts, a spiritual shower bath. I felt clean. Uh, I, I had no theology to back it up, mm -hmm. but boy, did I feel it. And uh, it felt good. It felt good. I felt like the, uh, the weight of the world had lifted from my shoulders. Somebody, somebody who could handle the world a lot better than me now uh, had revealed himself to me. I, I knew it was Christ, but I, again, uh, I couldn't go much further than that. I could, as I say, not have given anybody a detailed theology on all of this. But, but for the first six or seven months, uh, I would say my life was basically an experience of general euphoria. Mm. Inside, I just felt good. I felt good. And, uh, and when you feel good and you feel like I felt good, you really wanted everybody Everybody, and it didn't matter whether they liked me or didn't like me. It didn't matter where they lived. It, I just wanted everybody to know what that feeling was like. Uh, by the way, this is a tangent, and I'm not going to go down it, but I will state it. Uh, uh, that ought to be that ought to be the real mark of a Christian church. Mm. Uh, Christian church ought to really be a church, a gathering of people who who just want what they have for everybody in the world. Mm. That's that's yeah. I mean, isn't that the motive of real mission outreach? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the, it, it, you know, wanting wanting people to to enter into that uh, that amazing freedom. You know, I don't want to get onto this text, but uh, if anybody wants to look it up, look it up and think about it. Galatians five one is Paul's letter to Galatians for freedom, Christ has set you free. And then I think that's what I'm describing in all these words I'm using about the, that initial experience being so thunderous. It came into my life, and uh, I loved it. And I just wished everybody on earth could have it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's worth worth pausing and taking taking note of. I mean, there's that the, not only that the main goal and mission. When you go to church within your the body collective of your church or what have you, wanting to bring that 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 you feel every moment to everyone else, and you should be driven to want to do that. But it, it, there is something really powerful. I I know you've talked about it over time. The peace that you felt during your or like in the instance right after your conversion and when you came back from the army and came back home and. 
Um, and even in your searches for what to do with what you felt, you felt that peace. And I know, um, no, and I know that, and I know that peace. And I, and I all, and and I know that I'm sure that you know, and I've known the anxiety and how much that peace, like what it's like not to be anxious anymore, to know that it's all in somebody else's hands, and that I mean is an amazing thing that you that we really want as Christians to continually give to everyone because you see it on people's faces the anxiety the concern the worry especially you know and but this is no different time than any other time there's always problems you know the world always seems like it's going to end your people have been saying that since since it, it began, since it began. <laughs> And although for one group of people it did end, <laughs> it hasn't ended again. And um, But to know that it's not in your hands, that you don't have to go on Facebook and Twitter and social media and collect with people and write about the anxieties and get, you know, and, and try to find ways to, um, to, to find that freedom. He's given that to us in, and that is the goal and what you just said in in that galatians passage you know i mean just sums it up freedom for freedom yeah and uh i mean that and and i i mean i think in in what in what we're going to talk about over the next hour and into the next episode probably has to do with that those moments of peace that you feel in prayer when you know that you're talking to someone who's listening and somebody who has the ability to manifest itself, but then the 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 next level, which I feel like is what we're really going to talk about in prayer, and what's really interesting to me to explore is that is that next level. We all know that we can pray for whatever we need our needs are, but the reality is is that God wants us to pray for what He wants, and He's going to educate us in in that and. And that, and I know that that's where we're going to go, and that's what we want to talk about. And I think it, you know, it, it's good to to foreshadow what we want to discuss in a sense, because it is such an important, it is such a profound thing, but it's such a complicated idea. Yet, um, we hope to elucidate it to a point where it becomes simple again. But and but it is part of that peaceful thing that God has everything in control, even what we need. He's going to help us show. Yeah, he's going to show us how to ask for. Yeah, no, exactly. And that, again, go back to that uh, period in six, six months in Christ. That's a, it's pretty young in Christ. And not having anybody to teach me. And the church that I was going to was not much help. Because the pastor, I don't think, and I'm not just trying to be catty, but the pastor, I don't think, really believed the Bible was the, ex the well, the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Didn't believe it really that every word that those apostles, prophets, and writers put on paper was inspired by the Spirit that was moving in their lives. Mm. Uh, and uh, well, certainly I came to that belief, and I came to it. That came to that instantly. So it was just God given. I mean, it wasn't that I was special or I had a brighter mind or anything else. It was just God given. But, but going back to what you just said, Andrew, and just exploring it a little more or fleshing it out a little more. So I, I was at home in Ipswich, Ipswich, Massachusetts. I was up on Town Hill. I was with my father's dog. My father had 
had suffered a, a pretty serious heart condition, and the doctor said, you better rest, so he couldn't walk his dog. So I was just out of the army. I didn't have a job. It was uh, uh, easy for me to take the dog up on the hill in the morning and get a good run, and I was up there. And uh, I wasn't there on any spiritual quest. I wasn't uh, uh, in any particular uh, mode. I don't know if that's the right word, but I was just walking the dog. But but as I looked through the trees, that was just February of 1962, and I could see the town laying on you know down be, below me because there were no leaves on the trees yet and i could see over the horizon oh i could see the horizon i knew it was above, beyond it and i knew america was eventually beyond it but i just had this feeling and i just <laughs> oh boy if i could i i just prayed for i i think i could say without exaggeration really when you get right down to it, i think i was praying for the country uh probably uh i was a little bit more narrow then and i wasn't praying yet for the world i suppose i could have prayed for the world but really uh i had just come out of the army i was a veteran and i cared about this country and i was praying that everybody in this country would have the same it was such a wonderful experience i wanted everybody to have it and that's what i was praying and that's what i th- at least that's what i thought i was praying see uh, well, I was, but I mean, there was a lot more to it, I discovered, than what I was actually uh, thinking I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so if that was February 62, I went to college that fall, and I had a history course, and it was a Christian college. It was Gordon College over here in Wenham, uh, uh, over uh, by Beverly Farms. Uh, by the way, uh, marvelous college. Uh, you, you can't go to a better one, I don't think. But anyway. Yeah, well, this is a good moment. As we talk, reflect on Gordon for a minute, to, um, and it's a great transition point because we, as we move to our first um, commercial break of the episode, I do want to take a moment just to remind listeners that you're listening to Signposts. Um, this is a ministry that m- myself, Andrew Boylan, and Pastor William Boylan uh, bring each week here. So we thank you for joining us, and we're going to take a little quick break here, and we'll be back in the next half hour. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com